Episode 29, using technology to help create affordable unbundled legal services in a work from home Chicago law office. My conversation with Lady Justice Chicago lawyer, Elise Jones. I'm Michael D. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the TechSavvyLawyer.page and host of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work, and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. My next guest is Elise Jones. Elise is a family law attorney in Chicago. I came across Elise in a recent ABA article, Unbundled Law Firms Find Success Offering Virtual Legal Services. Elise helps families who are in transition by offering equal access to justice while delivering quality, affordable family law services. Join Elise and I as we discuss using computers and technology to practice law in today's virtual work-from-home environment and how by combining better tech practices with the unbundling of services allows lawyers to pass on some savings to their clients. Elise, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're thrilled to, ha- to have you on. And to start off, we want to hear about what your current tech setup is. So my current tech setup is a little, um, I would say, on the simple side. So I am a big fan of portability. So a laptop, mm-hmm. I think that's a great asset to have. A high quality laptop, might I add. And what uh, is your laptop? I actually have the HP Spectrum 360. Okay. So I am a Windows person, (laughs) no offense to any of the Apple people. (laughs) No worries, no worries. Full disclosure, I do have an iPhone, so I'm one of those. (laughs) Can you explain that? I've come across one or two attorneys, both on the podcast, also in real life, and it's like you have a Windows machine, yet you have an iPhone, sort of like having um, an Android and having a Mac Air or a MacBook. For me, okay, law school, I use... Apple products. I was all Apple. Um, And then somewhere along the line, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to transition back to the Windows part of the game. And it was out of simplicity for me. And maybe because I was always used to operating on Windows versus being the Mac and the OS system. Um, It worked well for law school, but just something went and switched in my mind. I'm like, hey, let me go ahead and transition back to Windows. Now, I'm still a fan of my iPhone. That's not something that I am giving up. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. And an iPad. So. Oh, wow. Okay. So now I'm really confused. You have an (laughs) iPhone and iPad, yet you have a Windows machine. Now, Now, if I may, I have to sort of jump in here because when I went to law school back in the day, it was only Windows. And I had a Mac before going to law school. And so I switched from a Mac begrudgingly to a Windows machine. And then finally, you know, several years after being out of law school, and when I finally started my own practice, it's like, why am I still have this Windows machine? I would rather have a Mac. And that's the way I went. As you say, to each their own, Nothing wrong, uh, no wrong way or right way. It's just what your preference is. But so tell us what else you got. So So is the iPad for work? It actually is. The iPad is for work, but I don't do much on it. So it's more so of I'm looking at it maybe as a reader, checking emails, things of that nature. But it's not something that I use primarily for work. I have a preference for my laptop because 
it's just there and something that I've always relied on. Now, what I will say is that I have purchased a new device that I have become heavily dependent on. It's a mm. remarkable. Tell Wait, what's okay. that? So, right. So I hadn't heard of it either. And, uh, you know, how we're in these listservs with attorneys and they start speaking about right. technology and things of that nature. So a remarkable, and I, I am not going to explain this probably the way that they explain it on the website, but it's a device that allows you to take notes. It allows you to send those notes, organize those notes. And you're thinking, okay, an iPad can do that too, right? Or any simple right. tablet, right? But the goal here is just to focus on the organization and the notes. So there are no emails coming in. There are no notification. Uh, Remarkable is like, this is the product for people that want to focus. And it's like just one of those e-writing tablets. Um, it feels like you're writing on a piece of paper. I am old school, for lack of a better phrase, where I prefer okay. the pen and the paper. Um, and that's what I was finding. I'm like, okay, I want a product that's going to allow me to take notes, but not always mm -hmm. have to convert those notes to text or typing. Mm -hmm. I'm able to do that for this one device and send it over without the distraction of, oh my goodness, there's a ping or a notification for an email. You don't have any of that with the Remarkable. Um, so it, it's a new device that I've become dependent on the past month or so. I love it. Send notes out to my team and it makes everything flow smoothly. Yeah, I, I'm pulling it up now and uh, I've seen devices like this. And are you saying that this is geared specifically for lawyers or for- no. It is not geared no. specifically towards work because there's a portion of it where you can um, draw. I know they're, mm -hmm. they're heavily as far as the commercial, I should say, or advertisement regarding architects, things of that nature, just people that want to focus. And I think that's a good thing for any lawyers to want to sit down and mm -hmm. focus mm -hmm. and not being distracted by, you know, emails from opposing counsels or emails that you may have for clients. And that's exactly what I was looking for. So no, not geared towards lawyers, but anybody that wants to have like one of the e-writing tablets and just focus on, you know, what you're doing at that time, great device that I've become heavily dependent on the past month or so. So does this, um, sync with uh, Dropbox or iCloud or any of the, the cloud services, or does it sync with Windows and or Macs? That's a very good question. So what I have found is that it has its own cloud base. Um, and mm -hmm. like I said, I'm fairly new to it. And what you do mm -hmm. is there's a remarkable cloud send it over to your email and all of your documents are there. It works for me because I filter things and it just goes to my practice management software or it goes mm -hmm. to my assistant and everything's organized in the file for okay. that particular client or case. Now I have to ask, I know there's one or two programs that are geared specifically for lawyers on the iPad. Have you ever looked at those? I have not. So teach me something. <laughs> so there are some programs, uh, TrialPad, for instance, which is geared specifically for attorneys, uh, litigation attorneys. Okay. And it's sort of like what you're talking about, where you can mark it up with, on PDF or take notes. Uh, you can assign certain clients to, or parties to, you know, certain highlights for whatever you're highlighting on your PDF, for instance, like a transcript. Right. Um, or also compile notes, compile your research, also allow you to prepare for trial. In other words, it will help you get your presentations of your exhibits in order so that you can work with the court reporter or um, the clerk in, in the court about 
you know, putting it up on, on screen for the opposing parties and the jury to see. So, that I mean, I'm giving, a very, I'm giving this a very simple uh, explanation. I would encourage you to go to Jeff Richardson's uh, blog, uh, iPhone JD. I know he's done several reviews on TrialPad. I think if this is something that you're interested in, let alone the listener, I think you'd learn a lot and maybe become a convert to uh, using your iPad more and maybe in becoming a Mac convert for your standard um, operating system for your office computer. I'm sure my husband would enjoy that. And I'll definitely report back to you if we have a happier home. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Is your is your husband a, a Mac uh, user? He is a Mac user. Oh, I'm sure that, that causes a little uh, strife in the family. I'm sorry to hear that. It, it does. And the Cubs versus Sox thing does as well. We're Chicago. Uh -oh. And so, uh -oh. okay. you know, okay. yeah, uh -oh. they, I, there's, there's some issues there. <laughs> hey, if I provide some happy uh, marital bliss by help, helping you convert to Max, uh, so be it. <laughs> uh, that being said, so tell us what else uh, technology wise you got in your office. Um, that's primarily it. I'm transitioning into becoming paperless. Um, I think that's, you know, a great thing. It provides efficiency. And again, you know, you have a lot of offices that have already made that full transition. You have some offices that were in the middle and my office was somewhere in the middle. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I decided, you know what, we're going to do full fledged, full speed ahead. We are going to mm -hmm. be completely paperless. So that's what I'm working on. And being paperless, do you use a specific scanner? I actually do use a specific mm -hmm. scanner. <laughs> it is a, um, well, I have the multi-device, so the multi-functioning center, which has a scanner. Brother, mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of Brother products. Um, okay. I think every okay. printer that I've owned has been mm -hmm. a Brother printer. They're durable, right? Like they okay. have stood yeah. the test okay. of time. Um, so I am a fan of Brother products. I also use my iPhone. Um, okay. Interestingly enough, there was... It, it came out of, I think, frustration, right? Like we get these documents and people take pictures of the documents. Mm -hmm. um, so on my blog, I actually wrote um, just an article, just, you know, uh, tongue in cheek kind of thing of it's time to stop taking pictures with our iPhone because guess what? There's a scan function on it now. <laughs> so okay, I, yeah. I went through the step-by-step -step of, of teaching people how to use their iPhone to scan. Um, and then I also did one for the Android users, didn't want to leave anybody out. Um, so I'm a huge proponent of using uh, my cellular device to get things done as well. So I use that scan function on there. And then Adobe has a scan function also that I use yeah. Um, yeah, as well. Well, what do you use for when you receive uh, a lot of documents, not just one or two? Oh my goodness. So if I receive a lot of documents, I'm a huge mm -hmm. fan of like case management software, mm -hmm. um, things of that nature. So I am a Clio user. So okay. those documents typically are imported into Clio via the cloud, rather it's Google. Um, they have right. Dropbox as well that, you know, converts with Clio. Clio has a lot of integrations that you can use, but I'm a Clio person. We get those right over to Clio in the cloud. But wait, 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 but how do you get them scanned? How to, oh, you're, oh, you mean if we actually receive physical documents? Right, right. if you're in litigation and you receive a document dump. 
you know what? I can't even remember the last time I actually received physical documents versus the actual. <laughs> but uh, I will admit that certain departments do hand you paperwork. So if we're doing mm-hmm. that, we're using a high volume, high functioning scanner that scans commercial that we have that we can use in the office as well. Now, hold on. You got to share. What's the scanner? If I would be telling, I, I, I think it's an HP because it's not mine. So I believe that this one is an oh. HP. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, I know a common one, a popular one with attorneys is, is the Fujitsu ScanSnap. Yes, I've heard of that one. And I've had a couple. I have one now. Uh, okay. They are great. They're, the best part about them is the ADF, the automatic document feeder. Feeder, right. 50 pages, at a, you know, 50 pages at a time. Um, and it's got a good um, uh, paper separator so that, you know, one doesn't run with the other, et cetera. And uh, I've had it for, you know, last 15 years and it's, it's, it's been a godsend. That's um, a great investment. Oh, oh yeah. So it used to be like, if you bought it for like $400, they would have provide you with a copy, the, not the latest, but the last copy of Adobe Acrobat Pro. Okay. But I don't think they do that anymore. Um, and because it was such a good deal because Acrobat Pro back then was like $200. So you're buying a, you're buying a scanner for $200 and getting, you know, the other program for $200. Do you use any of the programs besides Acrobat? Um, no. So I'm just uh, Acrobat is my go-to pro. So Acrobat Pro. And like you said, that is a good deal because you're spending hundreds of dollars for pro mm-hmm. a year. And, yeah. In conjunction with a printer. That's awesome. But I think now that Acrobat is going more online, more in the web portal. Right. I don't think that's being offered anymore um, through Fujitsu, although I haven't bought a Fujitsu ScanSnap in ages because, the you know, the old one works fantastic. Um, I, I don't know for sure. But let's start getting into the question. First, Elise, what three pieces of technology has made the transition from a brick and mortar office to a virtual office easy? Okay. Um, so as I said before, I believe in portability and accessibility. Mm-hmm. So um, a laptop being able, and I know that sounds, you know, very simple, but being able to have a a high functioning, um, great laptop and Mm -hmm. portability, because it allows you to plug in anywhere, right? I mean, the Mm -hmm. internet is available, plug in, you're able to sit there, sit down um, Mm -hmm. any Mm -hmm. place you're at and start working on the file. Um, The second thing that I am actually happy that I learned about um, years at the beginning of my practice was Google Voice. Um, Google Voice was something that I was like, okay, this seems pretty cool. Um, Google, we all know, is a powerhouse. And there were transcripts available for voicemails, um, email via text. Um, And the best part about it, it was offered for free. You have your own separate phone number. (laughs) I'm like, hey, attorney starting out, give me all the free resources that Mm -hmm. are beneficial. Um, So Google Voice has really come in handy because it provided that other line to say, hey, we can do things uh, portably. You can send it out to your your employees. You know, everyone has access to the phone number. Um, It's amazing. Um, That that really worked with everyone being remote. Um, And then the final thing I would say is I'm a huge proponent of practice management software. 
Um, okay. Primarily Clio. I've used Clio for years. So I've had the privilege to see the growth and development of Clio from when it first started out now mm-hmm. being more comparable uh, because we know this practice management software, the end, it's changed so much um, from you know the beginning where you only had a few out there. So I'm a huge proponent of um, practice management software and mainly for me and my office is Clio. So everything I think we've talked about has been mostly been on the cloud, you know, with portability, uh, you know, you have to access the internet wherever you're going. Uh, For that, how do you handle security issues? Are you always uh, using a VPN? Are you just using data when you're on the road? Uh, Have you found one VPN better than the other? What's your experience been on that? So VPN, that's the way to go. Um, and tip, and I can't say I found one better than the other. Um, but recently we just started using, um, Kaspersky, um, the security Mm -hmm. cloud with the VPN. We were Norton users, um, but some, everyone has their preference. Um, I wasn't tied to Norton or, you know, the services and things of that nature. And then Norton, we know can get a little bit of expensive with some of the add-ons and things of that nature. Um, so yeah. VPN is the way to go, um, making sure we have the security there and everything's tied up. And do you have any provisions in your engagement letters with your clients about, you know, hey, you know, we are on the internet, we are providing, you know, the best security that's that's possible, but, you know, there are always gremlins in the world that could cause problems. I actually, and I don't want to say in the engagement agreement, but we do have those conversations with client conduct um, after Mm. the actual, you know, being retained and things of that nature saying, hey, we use these services to make um, these, I should say devices to make uh, services more um, accessible to you um, to be Mm -hmm. more cost efficient. And we do these things to make sure it's a benefit to the client. So we do have that discussion about making sure, you know, security, like a lot of people like to do things on their cell phone. Um, it, you know, we have the conversation about, I don't think you should be sending income tax returns, <laughs> copying or scanning them from your cellular device. So right. I try to tell people, you know, um, and sometimes there's some pushback regarding practice management software. I think mainly because the unfamiliarity with it. Um, but mm-hmm. as long as we have control of what goes inside that cloud and we can see what happening, like I said, using the VPN, making sure we have that sort of accessibility. I think the clients do understand and they appreciate that as well. We've had questions from clients regarding, okay, you're getting all this financial information, like what happens if it leaks or, you know, something like that. We don't have control of it, but we make sure we let our clients know that we're doing the best that we can to make sure any personal sensitive information is secure. Um, So that's a really good question. So, I'm going to jump now from that to your use of Clio. And, you know, I, I, we've heard, you know, in the past, plenty of users who really do like Clio and the benefits it offers. One of the things I've read in the past is that Clio is more for medium to large law firms, although I am aware that there are plenty of solos and small practitioners on it. What does Clio do for you as a small and solo practitioner to help enhance your practice? That, yeah, that's a good question. So uh, as you know, I am a solo, um, but I mm-hmm. do have some members of my staff. I think for right. me, yeah, the enhancement portion of is everything is there. 
in one system. Um, so it, it makes it easy to streamline. It makes it easy to systematize things. Um, I would recommend it regardless if you're a solo like myself or you're a larger mm-hmm. firm because there's so many different facets to it. As I mentioned earlier, Clio now has a lot of great integrations. So we know mm-hmm. that Clio has different components to it. There's Clio where we have manage, where you're just managing the practice of law. You have Clio mm-hmm. grow, where you're trying to grow and that's specifically towards intake and making sure you have some sort of system regarding intake and new clients Mm -hmm. and sending out engagement agreements and things of that nature. Um, So Clio for me, it helps me provide a system. And with a system, Mm -hmm. it makes things more predictable for my office and for clients as well. So I think that's a huge benefit, um, especially in this world. You want some sort of system and then you want to be able to provide predictability to yourself and then also your staff. So, you know, if from intake to the end of the case, you have something there that's providing you with some sort of flow. Now, I think that was two. And for three, I'm going to ask you, what I'd like to know is, well, what do you do if you don't have internet access? I mean, do you have a copy of Clio on your computer? Okay, so that's a really good question. Clio is cloud-based. So I Mm -hmm. primarily always have access to the internet and Lord forbid something that happens that I do not have access to the internet. But no, so Clio is cloud-based. There is nothing that I have additionally that would say, okay, you know, the internet's down, Clio's out. Great. I'm grateful that I have not had that issue in the past years, Um, but I do also have a secondary backup. So it's not just using Clio's cloud base, but we save things on to the hard drive, the PC so that it's there as well. So we're not just providing, you know, sorry, depending on Clio for everything, we do also have that backup to make sure if the Internet does go down, we have a hard copy of files as well. Okay, but that's the files. But what about the the workflows or in your calendar and your contacts? What happens? I mean, can you still access that through a backup or do you have it synced to, uh, you know, for instance, uh, your calendar in uh, Microsoft Office or? I have it synced to, yeah, I was going to say I have it synced to other calendars there. So I'm a huge, yep, yeah, I do have those things synced. So that way we're not out of luck like it, it's mm-hmm. there. So we have multiple ways of getting the same information. Um, I would recommend that for anybody um, that relies solely on technology. We know sometimes technology is, you know, um, the best thing out there, but it has its hiccups as well. So yes, there, I have thinking as well. Elise, what three pieces of software technology or technology has helped you unbundle your services? Um, practice management software, Mm-hmm. Going back to Clio is a huge deal for me um, because it provides, like I said, the task and the flow and the the options of making sure that I'm able to provide unbundled service to clients mm-hmm. uh, versus, mm-hmm. you know, having case start to finish um, and making mm-hmm. sure that we stick to what we have, the workflow for that particular task matter. Um, the other thing I would say also is having a, and I don't know if this is considered necessarily technology, but um a virtual or a remote assistant. And and what I mean by that is that particular person, it allows me to assign the, I should say the least difficult tasks to that person Mm -hmm. or what would cost me the least amount of money to that person, um, which helps with unbundling because it's all about kind of figuring out that ratio of how is it profitable 
versus the benefit to the client. So we're right. not in a space where we're not making money. So I think that's really important. It's just the a workflow sort of thing is that, okay, if I have someone that's able to do this task for the least amount of money, where we can make more profit on that. So I think that's really important having a VA or a re- remote assistant. And then this one may seem strange, but okay. social media. Okay, social okay. media. And what I mean by that is um, people don't go around Googling unbundled legal services, right? Or limited scope representation, right? Like that's just not what people typically do. But with social media, you're able to use these hashtags or specific areas what someone may focus on. So let's say someone wants to receive child support. I'm a family law attorney. Hashtag Mm -hmm. child support. Use social media. Use Most social media platforms are free. Um, My preferred one depends on what type of audience I'm trying to go. So sometimes if I want to speak about a specific topic, I'm going to use Instagram. Um, Some, if I want to speak about a certain um, topic, I'll use Facebook just based off the demographics. And we know you can control that with Facebook ads and things of that nature. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what I will say is social media is a huge component because it allows me to use those hashtags. And I'm going to date myself a little bit where we call them pound symbols (laughs) and focus on the specific practice area that someone may be looking for assistance or service. I've got a couple of follow-up questions for you. So on the VA, what are three common uh, tasks that you would assign a VA? So that's a really good question. So a common task, calendaring, um, which mm-hmm. we, we know that can be done automatically. And, you know, you can go to places like Calendly and have someone plug in. I mm-hmm. choose not mm-hmm. to do that. And I think that may um, kind of flow into another question. I choose to use a VA for calendaring because I want that client or potential client to have some sort of connection to the office outside Mm -hmm. of um, a piece of technology, like that personable experience, especially Mm -hmm. in the world of Zoom. So that's one thing that I do have VA um, handle as well. Phone answering. That's another thing. I, I, I Some people are okay with answering phones. I choose not to answer phones for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons. Um, but that's another thing. The VA is also able to answer phones and making sure that, you know, I get messages or those, the dates mm-hmm. that we just spoke about are, you know, calendared right. appropriately into my calendaring system. And then I also use a virtual assistant. Um, now, this is kind of swinging in for um, paralegal role, but Drafting of pleadings. Some things are automated. Some things are not automated. Um, So I I tend to use a VA for that as well. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing on that. It's, it is, uh, you know, still a unknown world out there as we kind of have to figure out how to expand given, you know, everyone's been sheltering in place because of COVID, but I think businesses are beginning to learn that there's a lot of money to be saved by not having things all within a brick and mortar building. Um, well, that sort of leads actually to my next question. What are three pieces of technology used to communicate with your clients so they don't feel distant from their attorney? So I'm going to, everybody's been using it and I'm going to hop on the Zoom bandwagon as well. Um, I know there's this thing out here regarding Zoom fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have to recognize that there is a certain type of person that prefers the face-to-face interaction, um, that prefers seeing the face of their attorney. Mm -hmm. So that Zoom provides that opportunity and then being able to 
socially distance, um, being safe from whatever environment that you are in. So I, I definitely use Zoom in order to communicate with clients face to face in case they feel like they just need to see me. Um, and and there, uh, there's a special type of client that feels as though they need to see their attorney mm -hmm. just for security purposes. And like right. I said, I'm a family law attorney. Um, so we're mm -hmm. dealing with intimate parts of people's lives. Mm -hmm. I, I often get, you know, um, confessions, as I like to call them, that people's own family members may not know about them. So that Zoom, I, I try to be personable as far as sometimes, hey, if talking on the phone is not enough, then let's schedule a Zoom. Let's get on here. Let's have that face-to-face -face interaction. Um, the next thing I think I, I do is, again, I have transitioned from being brick and mortars, people being able to mm -hmm. stop into the office to trying to go more virtual or remote. Mm -hmm. um, and right now I'm 100% virtual or remote. So I did make that transition or that commitment during um, the height of the pandemic. But I, I rely on my staff, um, even though they're virtually and even though they're remote, mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. still have a sense of providing support and community. Um, yeah. Now, I, I don't use, um, I'm not going to call out any names, but I don't use a specific staffing service as far as okay. a virtual assistant where you're speaking to someone different each time. I have okay. specific people um, okay. for specific tasks. And that way, clients or potential clients know, hey, I spoke to so-and-so from right. the law office of Elise Jones, and this is what they told me. Oh, yeah, you spoke to her. Okay, yep, mm -hmm. we talked about that mm -hmm. already. So that provides a sense of connection. So, you know, again, we're dealing, for me, family law-related issues, and sometimes people want, you know, an office to be more personable. They don't want to feel like they're just a client number. So I do rely heavily on the staff that I have here. Um, and, and then the next thing I, I would say, and it goes back to me being a huge proponent of uh, Clio practice management software, as you know, and maybe members of the audience may know that Clio offers various ways that you can communicate with your clients, rather it's the secure message portal, rather it's emailing mm -hmm. directly through that, you know, specific portal um, that provides a client with a source of knowing if I message my attorney in this particular um tool, app, whatever the case may be, my attorney sees it, it allows the client to say, hey, acknowledge the receipt of that email. She saw it, someone from her staff saw it, and I'll get a response, you know, because they did see it. So those are the three things that I typically use um, to make sure that my clients do not feel distant from me, just providing a sense of community, especially dealing with family law related issues. Have you had any issues with clients who are, let's just say, old school in the sense of that they insist on meeting with you in person, et cetera? And, yes. and how do you handle that? Yeah, that, you know, that's awesome. So um, we have, for me, at least I do, so I can't speak for everyone, what we would consider an ideal client, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like what we have, we have like this avatar of whom we consider ideal to go come into the office. Um, I have, and I don't get a lot of pushback regarding the tools that I use mm -hmm. or the technology that I use, because most people understand, you know, that you're going to have to utilize some sense of form of technology, pardon me, in order right. to operate in today's world. Um, right. But I have had, and it's one person in particular that I could think of, um, when they came in, I don't like doing things online. I just want to meet with the attorney. Okay, well, 
there's an issue with that when you have guidelines saying, you mm-hmm. know, that your office has to be closed or a certain amount of people can only come into the office. Um, right. You have in, in Chicago, no secret. We were on the stricter side of things regarding right, right. the state. Right. So, you know, you just explain that to people um, and try to overcome that hurdle. And then I think this is a good way where we're speaking about Zoom or even Google Meets, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, just providing them with the opportunity to say, hey, I know you like to meet in person, but we can't do that right now. So let's give you an alternative. I think people, if you provide people with an alternative solution, most people would be okay, um, especially in the height of pandemic. I, I would think it would be relatively unreasonable for someone to say, I need to meet with you, given the state of the world or the economy at that point in time. But just provide people with alternative solutions. I think that's a great way to overcome any pushback. Elise, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate uh, hearing how you use uh, technology in your law practice. And I think you shared some excellent ideas. Please tell us, where can people find you? So I can be found on Instagram at Lady Justice Chicago. I can also be found on Facebook at Lady Justice Chicago or just type in the law office of Elise Jones. And then if you're interested going to my website, it's www.LadyJusticeChicago.com. Excellent. Thanks again. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at michaeldj at the TechSavvyLawyer.page. Have a great day and happy luring.